0: As if you don't know me, my name is uh, Jake Blaukamp. I'm the uh, young adult and college-age pastor here at Resurrection Life Church. It's called Access. And um, I get the privilege of speaking to you tonight and kicking off this series on the fruits of the Spirit. Last week, um, I brought a message about the transition between the foundations and the fruit. And, you know, sometimes we can see the fruit, but the fruit is only the result of a healthy root. And so you can't have fruit without a healthy root. Healthy root is a relationship, it's a consistent pursuit of, of Jesus Christ. That's our root. And so today I'm gonna to kick it off with Galatians 5:22, 23. This is our, our staple verse for this series. But the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, forbearance, or that's the same as patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing there is no law. Do you guys have that verse up there, Galatians 5? You can just look in your smartphones or something. Yeah, just look in that. So, I get the privilege of talking to you about love. Love. What is love? I have a song that I want to play for you. If they could run that one. It's coming. You don't want me to sing this song. I see some guys singing that, Dodd. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Raise your hand if you heard the song. Yes. That's a success then. So, what is love? What is love? Is love, uh, I love ice cream. Come on, anyone? I love ice cream. I love pizza. I love shopping. I don't. My wife does. I love my wife, I love my kids. What is love? You see, we've used love so abundantly that we've forgotten the definition. That when we throw love around, it's kind of like currency. So when you print more money, the value of the individual bill decreases or diminishes. So when we throw around the word love, So frequently, so often, so out of context, that the effectiveness and the impact that the word actually holds almost disappears. So now we've come to a place where, when we when someone says "I love you," it could come in a middle school hallway, (laughs) or it could come on a third date. Not, Not that you can't be in love after a third date, but or it could come. Instead, towards a piece of pizza. You, you following me? So now we, we say, so here's, here's the implication. So when I tell someone and I walk down the street and I, and I pass them and I say, hey, I, wa- I just wanted to let you know that God loves you. I actually have no idea what that person, what, that could mean nothing to them because their mom said they loved them and she ran away. Their dad said they loved them and they might have done something inappropriately to them. Their boyfriend loved them and he cheated on her. her. Her husband loved her, and then he cheated on her. God loves me, so what? Whoop-de-Doo. I've had a lot of people love me, and then it's only hurt me even more. And there's a saying that actually goes around that says, "The people that you love the most can hurt you the most." So we need to know. We need to figure out. We need to understand, because in the Bible it says, "In all of your getting, get understanding." We need to understand what love is. And so, when I was when I was in high school, I wouldn't call myself rebellious, but I had some rebellious moments to where um, it was mostly in the area of like females and in wanting to date wanting to wanting to spend time and my parents would be like no it's, you're you're too young you're too young you're too young you can't do that and i would get so frustrated so mad and i would say well why not why not they said we're just trying to protect you we love you we love you and all the parents were like yeah we know i'm not there yet but i i know that i'll get there at some point i love you we're just trying to protect you i love you in the moment though i didn't feel loved in the moment I knew my parents loved me, but that's not what I was feeling. I was feeling frustrated. I was feeling angry. I wanted to disobey and rebel against my parents. All the while, they're they're giving me love, but I'm not I'm not feeling love. I'm not feeling like I'm someone who's who's loved. Now, as I, as I'm older, you know, eight years, nine years have passed. I can see that my parents actually loved me. I can see that they were trying to protect me. I can see that they actually cared more about my future than they did about my emotional state of being at the moment. But when we feed our emotions, when we feed our feelings, we're actually feeding something that's not even real. Sometimes, Let me explain. So my parents loved me, and they were actually giving me real love. But I was giving attention to my feelings, and so my feelings were the thing that, things that were very real to me. It's the thing that was real. Are you following or not really? Yeah, I see some head shakes. So let me relate it to our, our Christian walk, our, our, our relationship with God. Sometimes we can feel that God doesn't love us because of our situations, all the while God is pouring and pouring and pursuing us with love every moment of every day. But because we put our attention on our situations, we ignore the love that's being poured out. So we need to put our attention on love. It's the, it's the first fruit of the Spirit. So I'm going to take you on a journey here. And what I'm going to talk about is not going to be like brand new. It's not going to be, oh man, I've never heard that before. But what it's going to be is it's going to be a refresher. And as I was studying for this, I was just, man, I was just getting excited. And there wasn't anything new that I was, that I was being taught. But I, you can't get enough of this. You can't get enough of the love of God. You can't get enough of thinking about it and of of just resting in it. You just can't because it's an endless well. He's endless, and he just wants to give you more and more and more and more. So, what what is love? I, I have three points tonight. It's a three-point message. My first point is, uh, we were made for love. We were made for love. I want to go through this quickly. Once again, this isn't probably going to be new to you, but... Um, just follow me here. So Genesis 1, 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So we were made in the image of God. Have you heard that before? Some, anyone? So we were made in the image of God. But what does that mean? <laughs> When I think of image, I think of picture. When I, when I think of image, I think of a visual. So then I start thinking, okay, what does God look like? What is, what is he like? And then I, hear, I think of another, we're made in his likeness. So I think, okay, maybe, what, are, what is God like? What is, what is he like? If we're made in his image, we better know what his image is like. So I want to read another verse, John 4 24. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. So the first thing that God is that we we need to understand is that God is a spirit. God God does not have a body, he's a spirit. And we are a three part being, spirit, soul, and body. So when we are made in the image of God, that statement is made because we have a spirit. So the very image of God, the spirit of God, we take on his nature in that we have a spirit. It's what allows us to connect in a relationship with God. Keep going. 1 John 4 8. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Whoever does not know, whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. So God is a spirit, God is love. So what is love? God is love. We're gonna unpack that. So God is love. So he's spirit and he's love. And so what, what I notice here is we're made in the image of God. God is a spirit and God is love, which tells me that if I'm made in his image and his spirit and he is love, it, 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 it tells me that my spirit is made for love. My very being, every single person on the planet, no exceptions, is made for the love of God. But we don't, we don't know it. We don't pursue it. We don't understand it. We need to understand that we're made for the love of God because it's the very thing that is going is to drive us. It's the very thing that's going to encourage us to be who God has called us to be. So our spirit is made for love. And I I like to picture it this way. Our our, our hearts, I'm going to use those synonymously, so it's like heart and spirit. So our hearts, our spirit is like a mansion, okay? And it has all these rooms. God's desire for us is for our hearts in this mansion, for every single room to have a sign that says, no vacancy, it says occupied, that says no room here in the inn, (laughs) no room here because it's filled with the love of God. Our spirits, our hearts are so full of God's love that nothing can get in that's foreign. That's our design, that's what we're made for. That's the end goal. So let's, let's get there, let's get there. When I think of this um, heart, spirit, I'd like to think of it as a puzzle. I'm not talking about a, like a jigsaw puzzle or a thousand piece puzzle. Thinking like you know, you know those like the little three-year-old or you know your your kids puzzles that are like the farm house and it has little red tips and you put the different animals in the different spots. Do you have the picture of that? So it's like that, you know. So imagine this is like our hearts, and God's love. Your heart is a spot in it, only meant for God's love. Only God's love can fit in there. It's kind of like the pig. Let's look at the pig. It's like if I took the rooster and I said, let's try to put the rooster in the pig. Oh, uh, it doesn't fit. Oh, let's take the cat and let's try to put it in the pig. Oh, uh, it doesn't fit. Let's try to take the duck and fit. Uh, it doesn't fit. Cow doesn't fit. Horse doesn't fit. Sheep doesn't fit. See, they all don't fit. And what I find in in, in our world and in our in our culture is... <laughs> That's how we are. So we have this spot in our our hearts and our spirits designed for the love of God, but we try to fill it with all the wrong things. We look for love in all the wrong places. So we have this need, this need for acceptance, this need for belonging, this need for love, and we go and we try to find it with a boyfriend or girlfriend. We even try to fulfill it with our spouse. Maybe we try to fulfill it with our job Oh, doesn't work, doesn't work. Maybe you try to fill it with friends, a hobby. We want to belong so bad that we try all these different things and we try to fit them in and they might work for a little little while, but in the end it leads to more discouragement and leads to hopelessness. So we just keep going. We keep, and if we don't know we're looking forward, just putting the world, trying to fit, fill this hole, fill this spot in our hearts that's only meant for the love of God, it gets exhausting. We, need, we have to this is the most important thing. We have to get this love. We have to get it. And we have this, this thing in our, in our culture, where the love that, that we experience always has a string attached to it. Finish the saying. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. I love you, won't you tell me you love me? I love you, what's in it for me? I love you, pull back in. We're always keeping people on a string because the love that we give is so learned from the world that we we don't even understand what the love of God is the love of God that we're made for, we must, we must, we must understand what this love is. So we're talking about love, you know, it's just this big topic. What, is it, what does it look like in a practical sense? What does love look like? My second point. Love looks like Jesus. Love looks like Jesus. Hebrews 1 it says that Jesus is the exact representation of God. Colossians 1 says he is the image of the invisible God. So play, the, play with this with me. So if we're made in God's image, and Jesus is the image of the invisible God, then we were made to look just like Jesus. So if we want to know what love looks like, let's get in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and let's start reading what he was like. Let's start reading how he responded to people who opposed him. Let's start reading about how he responded to people who betrayed him. Let's start reading about how he treated his closest friends. Let's start reading about how he treated the leopard, the one who, who was so disgusting. Let's start reading about how he... Dealt with those people, because then we then we'll really know what love is. The thing that I fear in, in, in my life, because I, I feel it in my life, and I and I and God has shown it to me that I need to deal with this, is that the most, you know, not the most common, but a, a very common form of love that we experience is actually need. That we could input the word need for love in most of our case in some of our cases and it would be synonymous so for example if 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 i if i'm talking to my wife and i and i need her to affirm me i need her to say good things about me i need i'm putting her in a position in a role that she was never made to fit I'm, I'm setting her up for failure. If I, need her to encourage, if I need her to do those things for me in order for me to be okay, in order for me to be encouraged, I'm setting her up to fail. It's a string that I'm, I'm throwing out to her. And I'm saying, baby, won't you just tell me I did a good job? I need that. But I disguise it by saying, baby, I love you. Baby, I love you in hopes to maybe that maybe, just maybe if I say I love you long enough that she'll just say, baby, you do a really good job. Now, is it wrong to encourage? Is it wrong to do that? No, 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 it's not. But it's wrong to, to put someone in a role that that was only meant for God to fulfill. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Love is patient. If you've ever been to a wedding, you know this. You know this verse, right? This is like the wedding verse. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy This, when I read this verse, I'm just like, oh my goodness. This is what love is. This is love. Love is patient, kind. And I want to focus today on, on a couple of the, of the aspects of love here. The first one is it is not self seeking. Love is so unselfish, it never seeks its own good. It's always seeking the good of the other person. Love is not easily angered, <laughs> it's very patient. Love keeps no record of wrongs, forgiveness. Love is so forgiving, so forgiving. And it says it keeps no record of wrong, which means if, that when, when we do something, God looks down at us and we, and we repent. and We say, God, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. He says, I throw that deed into a sea of forgetfulness. He says, I throw that, that, that thing and I throw it away, toss it. Sorry, I don't even remember it. And that's the kind of love that, that is talking about in, in Galatians, the fruit of the spirit. This is the kind of love that God is, is drawing us into because it's who he is. And our whole desire is to become like him. And this is one of the most amazing parts of, of love that I, that I really cherish is love always hopes. Love sees potential where there is no reason to see potential. Love looks at us and says, Oh my gosh, you are amazing. Oh my gosh, I have so many good things lined up for you to do. I have so many things for you to do here. Look at all these amazing things for you to do. And you're sitting here and we sit here and we say, Oh man, I can't do anything. And God's saying, No, 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 no. No, look at what I look at all this potential I have for you. Look at all this potential. Look at all that potential. Love, love is very illogical. Let's play with me here. So let's, let's picture um, God deciding to send Jesus to pay for the sins of the world. Let's just pretend, pretend that you're a mentor of God's. He comes to you and he says, hey, uh, hey, uh, Jake, do you, I'm thinking about sending Jesus to go and die for those, to those people down there. What do you think I should do? Oh, come on. We all say, eh, eh, not worth it, not worth it. They're going to rebel. They're going to say they love you and do the opposite. They're going to do this, and then you It's all for nothing. <laughs> because love is illogical. It doesn't follow the reasoning that we think in. So we have, we have the disciples, right? And Jesus, they were like best buds. And, and Jesus was living his life and the disciples were there with him the whole time. And then there came a point when when Jesus was being taken away and he was being crucified and all his disciples ran away. All his disciples were like, (laughs) see ya, I'm getting out of here because I don't want to get killed. And Jesus, I know you said you were going to die. You told us it was going to happen, but you know what? I don't want to die. And I know you said you're going to rise again, but that just doesn't seem very, uh, uh, I'm not going to bet on those odds right now. They run away. They're gone. And we, you know, just put yourself, what if your best friends, when you needed them the most, they ran away? Imagine what we would feel in that moment. And then John 20, 19 through 20. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace. Be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now, I don't have the verse up there, but then verse 21, he says, Jesus says, Now I'm gonna send you out to tell about me. I'm gonna send you out. This is just a perfect representation of, of Jesus's love. It's a perfect example because let's look at. In that verse, it says, the disciples were hiding because they were afraid. They were locked in a room, and Jesus just shows up. Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you. Love is kind. Love is so kind. Jesus didn't come storming and say, We were in the garden, I told you to pray, you didn't pray. You said you would stick with me forever, you said you'd die with me, and you ran away like a little girl. He could have said that. But he didn't. He walked in, he says, Peace with you. After he said this, he showed his hands and his side. Love is patient. Even Thomas says, I'm not gonna believe until I see it. Jesus says, Okay, come look. I'll be I'm very patient with you. I'll be very patient with you because I don't don't demand anything from you. You owe me nothing. There are no strings with me. There are no strings. It's all giving. It's all unselfishness. It's all that it is. And then he says in verse 20, he says, now I'm going to send you. Hold up. Stop, stop. Let's look at uh, their resume real quick. Let's look at Peter's resume. Um, Was afraid of a little girl when she approached him about being a follower of Jesus. Okay, not qualified. Um, Said he was going to die for Jesus, ran away. Um, Denied Jesus three times. Okay, crumple that. Nope, no, not qualified to go out for Jesus. Jesus says, I'm sending you. <laughs> Love always hopes. Love doesn't see the situation, it sees the potential. It doesn't see you for who you are, it sees you for what you could be if you only knew who you are. Let me say that again. Love doesn't see you for where you are, it only sees you for the potential of what you could be if you knew who you are. And who you are as a son of God, who you are isn't is a child of God, who you are, who we are are sons of the king. He says I've given it all to you. So we keep going. A little bit of a change of pace here. So how do, we, how do we determine the value of something? We determine the value of something based on the price that we're willing to pay for it, correct? So if I am gonna go buy a, a car and it's, and it's listed for $3,500 and, and I'm like, that car's only worth $3,000 and I go and offer $3,000, it's like, yeah, it's worth $3,000. And if something's overpriced, we're not gonna buy it. For example, if I go somewhere to, the, um, to a store and there's an item there and I say, that's way overpriced. I'm going to go on Amazon real quick. Amazon, oh, that's like $15 cheaper, two-day shipping. Got it. Because I'm not going to pay for something that's, that's overpriced. I'm going to pay for something because it's the value of it. So the value of something is determined by the price that you pay for it. My question, Do we, do we know our value? A different way to... To say it is, do we know how much heaven paid for us? Heaven went bankrupt for us. Heaven said, I give it all. God said, I'm giving you my everything. I got nothing else up here. My bank account is zero. I'm giving you everything. And that proves how valuable we are. It proves the significance that God sees in us. It proves how much he loves us. Because if it's something's value is based on how much it's paid for, Jesus paid everything. He paid everything for us. He loves us so much and he proved it on the cross. Jesus went to the cross and he died and he rose again. He said, I did it for the joy set before me. He said, I did it because I knew what the people would look like When Holy Spirit came and filled them, it wouldn't be one person with Holy Spirit, it would be billions of people with Holy Spirit. And He said, It's worth it because every person is valuable on the side of God. They were chosen from the foundations of the earth. Before the earth was even created, every single person was designed specifically to be who they were. You're valuable, you're significant, we're something we're something we are something but how do we get this how do we how do we get that perspective how do we get that how do we get that so deep in, down inside of us that it changes everything we are how does how does that happen I want to tell you a quick story. So I went to a, I went to, it was called a rally. It was a guy that I was, that was I listened to on YouTube quite a bit. And, and he's all about like evangelism, praying for people, laying hands on the sick and, and, and just loving on people. And, and so we went to this rally. I went with my wife and some other friends and it was like a year and a half ago. And afterwards we were at a gas station and, and there was this lady and my friend came up to her and he's like, hey, you know, God just loves you. And then we left. Nothing happened. We just left. And, and God, when I was at, when I went to sleep that night, He He asked me something. He said, "Do you actually believe that I love that woman?" You see, there can be a knowledge of love, and there can be a transformation of love. You see, I I didn't know. I couldn't answer that question. I said, "I I know you. Lo- I know you love her, but do." Do I know that you, do I know why you love her? So how do we get this love in here instead of up here? How do we do it? My last point is that Holy Spirit teaches love. I want to give you the definition of of God's love. It's called agape love. Agape love. There's the definition. Agape love. They might have it up there. It's the unconditional love God has for the world an undefeated benevolence, an unconquerable goodwill that always seeks the highest good of the other person, no matter what he or she does. It is the self-giving love that gives freely without asking anything in return and does not consider the worth of its object. It is love by choice. That's a good kind of love. It's a liberating love. There's a different kind of love that we find in the Bible quite often. It's called phileo love. And... Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. That's what this love is. Is Phileo love, is brotherly love, to care for affectionately, to cherish. So, how, how do we get this love? Holy Spirit teaches it to us. Holy Spirit teaches it to us. I'm going to go through a quick story. Um, in John twenty twenty two. 22, um, this is right after Jesus comes in, and then he he's got the twelve disciples, and he breathes his Holy Spirit on them. And this is the this is the point where theologians agree that, that this is where the disciples became saved. This is where they became a Christian. At that point, John twenty two, he received the Holy Spirit. Peter became saved at that moment. Peter was part of that group, and then we see in John twenty one fifteen through seventeen. John twenty one fifteen through seventeen. Now, there's, love is used quite frequently in this, in this passage. I'm going to replace the words love for their Greek word agape or phileo. You'll catch on. We'll catch on quick. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you agape me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I phileo you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I phileo you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I phileo you, Jesus said. Then feed my sheep. You see, Peter was saved. He had Holy Spirit but he did not have a revelation and understanding of what agape love was. He was actually unable, unable to do that. And, and if we read, continue in reading in the Bible, we go to Acts 2. In Acts 2, Peter actually has an encounter with Holy Spirit at the day of Pentecost where he becomes filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 4, Peter filled was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we keep reading in the Bible, we go to 1 Peter, this is after all of that. And remember, in, in, in John, before he was filled, he could not even use the word agape. He didn't even understand it. 1 Peter 1.8, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. In this passage, the word love is agape. Peter figured out what agape was. He figured out this love of God. He didn't figure out Holy Spirit taught him. It came from Holy Spirit. It came from, from a relationship with God where he said, God, I don't know what love is. Can you, can you just show me? I know, it, I know you want to show me. I know you want to show me Holy Spirit and please just show me. And God said, he's, he, he's a good father. He says, I'll give you what you ask. I'll give you what you ask. You just have to ask. So, It's important that we know what love is. God's love. Unselfish. Always giving. Always hoping the best. Always forgiving. But it doesn't come from striving. You can't will yourself to to love like God. It has to come. It says says in uh, 1 John 4. Let me go back so I don't mess it up. (laughs) It says, we love because he first loved us. So we cannot actually know the love of God unless we receive it from him first. And we can't actually love ourselves until we receive that love. And we can't love other people until we love ourselves. So Proverbs 1412 says Proverbs 1412. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to destruction. There's a way that we've been taught by the world and how to love. There's a way that we've been taught from when we were infants to the way we are now how to love and how to respond. And it says it's leading us to destruction. And so until we transform and change the way that we think, we'll always operate in the way that we were taught as a child. And so from that, from that time, so we need to transform our minds to think differently, to not think like the world, but to think like God. We have to think like God. And so what happens is we can actually project our love that we've, that we've lived in for so long onto God, and our love for God actually becomes, and this is going to sound uh, a little, I guess, contrary, but it becomes a need for God. And God doesn't actually, I don't think God wants us to need him. I think God wants us to love him. God doesn't want us just to come to him when we have a need. He wants wants us to come to him every day. He wants us to love him, but we can't love him until we receive that love from him. And what happens is, is when Holy Spirit teaches us this love, Holy Spirit's gonna show us, he's gonna show us and it's illogical. You can't explain it. There's no three-step process into receiving the love of God and knowing it. It's a process of of relationship with God. And what happens is, is that Holy Spirit gives us a glimpse into what he sees in us. That's the most beautiful thing that we could ever do is ask God what he sees in us. God, why do you love me? And let him speak it into you because he's not gonna speak to your situation. He's gonna speak to your potential. And if we would ever see what God saw, we would live like he lived. If we if we ever saw what he saw in us we would live empowered, strengthened, encouraged, joyful, peaceful. We would live these lives because that's what he sees in us. So it's our opportunity to ask Holy Spirit teach us. Holy Spirit teach us what God sees in us. Holy Spirit teach us what it means to be loved. Holy Spirit teach us. Because if we don't see what he sees We'll never live like He designed us to live. We'll never do it. So, with everyone's, uh, everyone just bow your heads quick. I want you just to give you an opportunity. I want you to ask a question to God and just maybe allow Him just to speak, into, speak to you right now. And the question's really simple and it can go for anyone. I'm going to do it too. God, why do you love me? Just ask that to yourself, see, God, why do you love me?" And I believe right now God is speaking to you about things, about your potential, about what He sees in you. He's giving you a heavenly perspective on your situations. He's giving us so much affirmation. Why do you love me, God? question that we can ask ourselves every day when we wake up. God, why do you love me? What happens is when we start to read the word of God is that we actually start to believe the word of God. I love you because you're righteous. I love you because you're you. I love you because I made you. I formed you. I knitted you together perfectly the way I wanted to design you. I love you because you're my son. That's what he's gonna start saying to us and all that stuff can be found in the word of God. And he just affirms it in us and cements it into our hearts so that we can become a solid rock that cannot be shaken so that we go into the world, we give love to everyone and expect nothing in return. But if you're here today and you've never declared Jesus Lord of your life, if you've never said, "I want to live for Jesus. I want that kind of love. I want to be that way. I want to be I want to start living unselfishly. I want to start giving. I'm sick of taking. I'm sick of, I'm sick of my life being all about me cuz it's making me miserable. If you feel lost, God wants to adopt you into his family and give you a brand new purpose to live for the kingdom of God, not for the kingdom of this world. If that's you on the count of 3, I say you just raise your hand. And when you raise your hand, you're saying, I admit that I am messed up and I need Jesus to save me. You're declaring God is adopting me into his eternal family. You are saying I'm no longer going to live for my own selfish desires, but for the desires God is going to give me. One, two, three, if that's you, just raise your hand. Awesome. I'm just going to pray as we close. God, I thank you for your love that's so unending. I thank you for your love that's so real. I thank you that you just see so much potential in each person in this room, God, and I, and I declare and I say that we are going to start living as people who are loved by God, And we require nothing in return of this world, but we will give and we will give and we will give. And in that very giving, we will express the very nature of God. And that Res Life will be known as a place where we send out people who are world shakers. We are sending out people who are influencers. We are sending out people who are powerful, empowered to love people well. Speak the truth and to be significant in this world, because you are significant. We are significant, God. So I thank you for the the call that you have on each individual life. I thank you for the purpose you have on each individual life, and I thank you for the love that you pour out every day and every moment. And We put our attention on that love right now. We love you in Jesus' name, amen.